Hi everyone, I'm Marty. I'm one of the ministers here at Chatswood Presbyterian Church. Let's pray as we start. Father God, please give us wisdom today as we listen to your word. Please work in us by your Holy Spirit, giving us a deep desire to reject our sin and to love you more deeply. Amen. Well, let me tell you a little bit about my personal history. I was born in New Zealand in a town called Hamilton in 1979. I moved with my parents and my sister to Australia at the age of 10 and we settled in Sydney. After a few years, we'd gone to school, we'd settled down into work. It seemed to us this move was permanent and so we became dual citizens, that is citizens of both New Zealand and Australia. And now, when people find out that I was born in New Zealand, one question comes up more than any other question. I've heard this countless times. This important question, do you support the Wallabies or the All Blacks, Marty? And my answer always, of course, is why the All Blacks? But then comes a reply, but why? You live in Australia now. You're even a citizen. Your identity has changed. Now, I could reply, well, it's because they always keep winning, but no, my love for them is not so fickle as to come and go with each success and very occasional failure. No, my answer is because a Kiwi is an all-black supporter from the day they're born till the day they die. But that answer doesn't satisfy them. You're living here now. You're a citizen of this country. You shouldn't wear that All Blacks jumper. You shouldn't cheer them on at the game. You shouldn't be so smug all the time. Now, maybe the fact that I can have dual citizenship complicates things, but as much as I hate to admit it, maybe they have a point. Now, don't tell anyone I said that but I can see their logic. A change in identity should come with a change in behaviour. I moved to Australia over 30 years ago. My home is here now. I'm a citizen. I have enjoyed Australian education, healthcare, student loans. Maybe I should be singing Advance Australia Fair instead of God Defend New Zealand at the rugby. Maybe it's time to take off the black and white and put on the green and gold. Because when our identity changes, our behaviour must change, right? This is true in many things. When our, our identity changes, our behaviour must change. Now, in Paul's letter to the Ephesians we've seen another identity change. The Ephesians are no longer dead in sin, but are alive in Christ. They are no longer foreigners to God, cut off from him, but citizens, his, his children even. Do you remember God's great plan for the universe to bring unity to all things under Christ? That is to, to reconcile people to himself through Jesus. Well, he's... He's done that for the Ephesians. He's called them to be a part of this great plan. 
And last week we saw that Paul called the Ephesians to, to walk, do you remember? To walk worthily of this calling they've received. To live in line with that calling, loving each other, building each other up into to maturity in Christ. That's how they should walk. And now in our passage today, as Paul continues with this, with this theme of walking, he insists that there is a way they must not walk. That is, they must no longer walk or live life in the way they used to, like Gentiles. And by the Gentiles, Paul means the society that surrounds the Ephesian Christians, those who are separate from Christ and and without God. That is, non-Christians, the non-Christian world outside their church. Have a look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 with me. Ephesians 4, verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live, that is, no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. And Paul paints an incredibly bleak picture of the life, of Gentile life. Outside Christ, a person is numb, calloused to God and the life he offers. They have spiritual nerve damage. It's like fingers that cannot tell rough from smooth or, or hot from cold. The Gentiles cannot tell truth from lies or right from wrong. It starts with a hard heart towards God, with a rejection of God, but it spirals out from there to affect the mind and the actions. They are ignorant of God and his ways And so they just hand themselves over to more and more sin. They don't even know that anything is wrong. Their spiritual senses are dead. Not only is there no will to turn to God, but there is no ability. These spiritual nerves have no chance of growing back themselves. An uncompromising, confronting assessment of the spiritual life of non-Christians here. Look at the description in verses 18 and 19. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. But Ephesians... This is not your way anymore, says Paul. Your identity has changed, so your walk, your life must change. The Ephesian Christians no longer live with darkened minds. Their minds have been illuminated, educated, filled with the knowledge of God. But not only has their intellect changed, it's the entire person. They have a new self They are a whole new person, a new, in the Greek, the word is anthropos, a new man. See, they've experienced not just minor tweaks or modifications, but a whole person recreation. And how did this happen? What what is it that they have learnt to change them? What has reconnected them with God and, and repaired those 
damaged spiritual nerves. Well, they learnt Christ. They learnt Christ. They heard about who he is and what he has done. They believed the gospel, that he died for their sins as a free, gracious gift to save them. They learnt that he is their saviour and that he offers forgiveness for their hard-heartedness and impurity. But they also learnt that he is their Lord above them and they are his disciples. So that now being made new by him requires following him. A new self requires new action. And notice in these, these next verses, these, these two selves, the old and the new, they don't overlap. There is a stark contrast. The old is corrupted by deceitful desires, but the new is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The Ephesians don't chop and change between the two selves. They are made new by God himself. God has worked in their inmost being to give them spiritual life. So those old ways of a hard heart, dead nerves and darkened mind, they just don't fit with who they are now. Read on with me in verses 20 to 24. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. It's a case of out with the old and in with the new. One of my jobs uh, this weekend is to clear out some old clothes. Kat and I went shopping a few weeks ago and bought a bunch of new clothes. And so now my old ones that are grubby and worn out and full of holes, they need to go and make room for the new. Likewise, Paul wants the Ephesians to clear out the old and replace it with the new. New behaviours that no longer tear people down, but build them up. And that, that makes sense, doesn't it, from what we've seen so far in Ephesians? The church is one new body, unified under Jesus, with the task of lovingly build, building each other to maturity. And so Paul gives some specifics about how to live now. Firstly, replace lies with truth. After all, the Ephesians are this one new body, so each part should lovingly be open and honest with the rest. Verse 25 says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. Secondly, don't let your anger get out of hand and lead you into sin. You know, anger in and of itself isn't wrong. Even Jesus occasionally rightly got angry. But it's so easy to add self-righteousness, bitterness, harsh words, sometimes even violence on top of our anger. And Satan would love nothing more than to jump on that opportunity and tempt you to sin. 
No, the new way is to deal with your anger quickly, give the devil no chance to exploit it. Paul says, deal with it as soon as possible, ASAP. Verse 26 says, in your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Thirdly, the new person in Christ won't steal from others, but instead use their energy to build others up by sharing what they have. Verse 28, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Fourth, the new self comes with a new way to talk. Replace rotten words with fruitful, healthy words. Again, words that build others up. Verse 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And then Paul gives them a fascinating command about the Holy Spirit. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. You see, God the Holy Spirit feels it when the Ephesians sin. He is saddened by behaviour that that just doesn't fit with, well, the work that he's doing in them. The Holy Spirit lives in the Ephesians as a guarantee that they will fully be redeemed from sin when Jesus returns. So why would they, why would they wallow in sin now? No, they should, they should get rid of everything that hurts others and replace it with the attitude of Christ, an attitude of forgiveness, compassion, kindness. That makes the Holy Spirit glad. Let's read on in verses 30 and 31 and 32. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And finally, since they are now children of God, they should imitate none other than their father. They should love like Christ. They should be willing to give themselves up for each other, just as Christ has given himself for us, graciously freeing us from the power and penalty of sin. Live like that. What a high calling. What a, what a high calling. But... Remember verse 24, the new self is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is what they were created for, recreated for, renewed for. And so Paul finishes with these words in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So what have we seen? 
the Ephesians have had a change of identity. They have learnt Christ. They have been made new, a whole new person. And their change of identity requires a change in behaviour. They must no longer act like their old selves in in, in darkness and impurity. Rather, their behaviour should seek to build others up as they imitate God himself. So what should we do in response to this passage? Well, it's pretty clear, isn't it? If we trust in Jesus, we should do likewise. I've got two points. Reject the old and embrace the new. Firstly, do you realise the futility of the non-Christian life? I I think it's really confronting. Here, God is describing all non-Christians including our family and friends. We love them. God loves them. They are precious. They're made in God's image. Jesus died for them. But we need the reality check. Right now, they are darkened in their understanding. They are separated from God. So we can't pretend that they are the same as us spiritually. We can't pretend that you are the same as them. Uh, sometimes I hear Christians say something like this, oh, it's, it's, it's good for me to behave like my non-Christian friends, to, to keep up with what they do, so they don't see Christians as, as so weird. But friends, you are weird. A good weird. You are weirdly free from the clutches of sin. You are weirdly put off by impurity. You are weirdly sensitive to right and wrong. Friend, if you trust in Jesus, you have been renewed. Why not send the message out to the non-Christian world that you are different? Not by rejecting the people, but by rejecting the behaviour. And let's, let's commit to praying for them, knowing that only God can break through hard hearts and and darkened minds and do that recreating. The old life is futile and dark. But on the other hand, what you have now, if you trust Jesus, is glorious freedom. Freedom to live as part of God's family in his likeness. If you are a Christian, your mind is renewed You have holiness and righteousness. You are God's child. You are part of a community, a new community, where each part builds up the others. This new way is no burden. It's brilliant. And so my second point of application is this. Embrace it. Show your new identity in your actions. Get rid of all that tears others down and embrace only what builds up. And God willing, all of you want to do this, right? Because we all know the damage that we can do to others when we cling to the old ways of selfishness, greed, impurity. You know that. But it just doesn't fit you anymore. So let's look again at Paul's list. 
is your new self reflected in truthful speech? Or are you tempted to, to lie, to, to bend the truth a little? It can be so easy to, to not be completely truthful, can't it? Even with other Christians, particularly in the so-called small things. You know, to avoid trouble, to smooth over a relationship, to keep the status quo or, or just as a shortcut to getting what you want. But you are one body with each other. You need to share openly and honestly. So is there someone you need to be truthful with today? Or, or what about anger? Are you dealing with it as a, as a righteous, holy person? When your emotions run hot, do you let them run away into bitterness? Do you lose self-control? Or are you seeking to diffuse the situation, knowing that, that your godliness is more important than your right to be angry? Now, when it comes to stealing, most of us probably aren't in the danger of becoming professional thieves. But the standard's higher than that, isn't it? Are you working hard with the attitude of a, a renewed person, thinking, how can I be generous with what I earn? Does unwholesome talk come too easily to your lips? Rude jokes, put-downs, gossip, swearing. Individual words may seem like small things, but the standard Paul gives here is to speak only what is helpful for building others up. Is that your filter as a new person, part of Christ's body? And finally, I, I, I want to remember this. I, I want you to remember this. The Holy Spirit is with you. He works in you. The old ways grieve him, but he loves to see you repent and change. So let's throw out rage, bitterness and malice. Let's bring in kindness, compassion and forgiveness. These things actually fit you and I. Now, hear me clearly. I'm, I'm not asking you today to reject sin just because it's the right thing to do, although it is, nor because it'll make you a nicer person, although it will. No, I want us to reject sin because that is no longer who we are. If you trust Jesus, your mind is renewed, your thinking is no longer futile, you are actually able to imitate God. You have undergone a profound, spiritual, complete person renewal. This is not some abstract theory. It is a real change. You are actually righteous and holy. That's why it's possible to ask the questions with confidence. And I want to be asking these with you this week. What am I doing with my speech, my emotions, my hands today? We can ask those questions with confidence because if you're in Christ, your whole person has been renewed. 
So back to that very important question at the start. Will I take off my All Blacks jumper and don the green and gold? Nah, probably not. But that's really not got anything to do with my real identity, does it? My identity and yours, if you trust Jesus, is this. New creation, made to imitate God. So let's get on with living like it. Let's get rid of the old and bring in the new and strive to, to build each other up in Christ. Let's pray. Father God, our creator and redeemer, you have loved us with incredible grace, taking hard-hearted sinners and recreating them to be your children. We thank and praise you for this great work of renewal. We pray now that we would make every effort by your spirit's power to put off the old ways and put on the new. Help us each day to think and act in line with our new identity. May our lives build your church and reflect Jesus to our loved ones who don't know you yet. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.